sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. back everybody right here to the early line on sports grid giving you the edge our number two dane martinez and kevin walsh trying to give you everything you need to make it a profitable day and kev we turn our attention to major league baseball i've been saying it we are in the final week we have five days left to go and ironically there are multiple teams in the playoff chase that have more than five games left to play and we have been following that you know all week long and i think there are a couple of tension points we've been looking at right the american league central division title national league east the second place team with Miami and Philly because that is a guaranteed entry into the playoffs. And then even if you're not on the second place line in the National League, there are a boatload of teams that are still there for something like a wild card. I mean, Kev, right now, those St. Louis Cardinals who have plenty of games to play in hand, right? If you look between them and if you just go to the Philadelphia Phillies, which are only two games back with, you know, five days left and more than five games left to play i got one two you got you know the cardinals the marlins the reds the brewers the giants and the phillies that are all within two games with like you know five or six left to play i'll ask it to you this way kev chances the cardinals are playing on monday what do you think (laughs) yeah um i mean they're now in fifth so if if it's really not going to be about seeding I mean, genuinely, maybe they're not. I just want to make one overall. But, Kev, the two games, if the two games matter, right, if they're within two games of the bottom, then, you know, they're going to, like, the Phillies or the Giants will be like, nah, they got to play them. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that we are going to see them probably play the the, the Tigers at least the once, on which I think is super weird that we don't know if it's going to even be one or two games. I just want to make this overall point. As you know, you yeah. and I have kind of had banter back and forth about how much time we want to spend on baseball and, you know, full hour versus the two minute and 50 yeah, yeah, segment yeah. mark. I adore the closing stretch to the baseball season that we have on our hands, plus this playoff bracket that is about to be coming. I yeah. always find looking through the baseball's futures market incredibly exciting. Last year, I remember an an episode of In-Game, I mean, this was a ways back, but it was myself, Jared, and I think Drew Martin diving through, talking about how the Nationals were a team that that were best suited to probably beat the Dodgers, and if they did, they were probably the best team in the National League, and that kind of came home to roost, and I just... The thing is, I and I, I just I find it necessary to make this point to you is that as much as I watched Lakers Nuggets intensely throughout, <laughs> right, and it took up a lot of my thinking space, I made sure before going to bed to peel through all of the results to figure sure. out who's playing who, whether I think the Cardinals are a bad matchup for the Padres, because I and I love that we've got this expanded. I know everybody hates it. Below 500 teams might make it. Not me. This is exciting. 
Yeah, awesome. No, I'm with you. I'll tell you this. Don't go too far into what you think the matchups might be yet because there's a lot of room <laughs> for change here, especially in the National League. In the American League, too, I would say. But, you know, you mentioned this playoff bracket that's about to come out. I want to make one more point about the playoff teams that are going to, you know, start to play playing playoff baseball next week. I don't know if you saw this, Kev, but MLB Quarantine has already started for like the quote unquote bubble as we welcome back our radio audience from around the country. I don't know if you saw this, but all the teams who are kind of playoff contenders and are in essence in the playoffs, they are already quarantining, Kev. In essence, they ain't allowed to do anything except travel with their team to the game, travel back to the team hotel, travel with the team to the next city, and that's about it. They ain't going home anymore. They ain't going out anymore. No more chicken wings or anything like that, okay? And, you know, Aaron Judge and some other players have said, eh, they're not huge fans of this. But I thought it was interesting that all the teams, not only who are in the playoffs right now, but all these contenders in the National League, right, that are three and four, you know, spots down but could make it, they are, in essence, doing their own team-based de facto quarantine already before they get into the bubble you know with the nba there was like that 14 day stretch before they could travel to the bubble the mlb is trying to do this as they are playing the games building it as they are flying it but i mean hey i guess it gives them the best shot right i guess i don't know it's weird man they've just done a lot it of is weird that have been so weird i i wonder, like is there a better way at this point i mean no, no, I guess not, right? Because, like, the other option is just to not be doing a form of quarantine. Right, to point. not take an extra layer of precaution, right? Yeah. Like, you so, got to try. If you want to If you want to crown a champion, you got to try and get there. Yeah. It, I tell you, this is the thing, though, which is where we're at with baseball, right, is do we feel good about the integrity of their bubble? Like, do we feel <laughs> like it? like we're – calm and confident that that's gonna that we're gonna get through the threshold like the thing is right we're like we're playing playoff games a day after the regular yeah. season ends yeah. right yeah I, I mean we're not where's the, the testing happening right there <laughs> like i like i don't know the threshold from round one to round two but i have a feeling there's not many days in between yeah word up i agree with you you know what i will say though that could be in baseball's side on this okay yeah they're going to have four bubbles, Kev, right? Two in the American League, two in the National League, where only two teams are going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And that's different than in the NHL when 22 teams or in the NBA, 24 teams or in the MLS, you know, 20 teams were there. They're going to have four teams in each bubble. I hope that mitigates some of the chances. We'll look at these teams, at their games today, and see who should be in the catbird seat when we come back, coming back right here on the early line at AL Central Crown, NL Wildcard, who do we think is going to wind up there? Coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh burning the candle to make you a more profitable sports investor. Kev, let's start with the American League Central. Okay, because here I think is the only division winner 
that is still up for grabs. The Chicago White Sox are technically still a half a game up on the Minnesota Twins, but the White Sox have lost three in a row. The Twins have won three in a row, and even the Indians have won three in a row, kind of putting them, I'm not going to say really back in the fray, but maybe a value at that 75-1 to that you talked about. And the Indians can make some more hay today. Because as I look at the matchups, the Chicago White Sox travel to Cleveland, and I see a Lucas Giolito versus Shane Bieber matchup in this one. I think that is very, very interesting. Meanwhile, kind of like, you know, on the other side of town, the Minnesota Twins host the, you know, the also-ran Detroit Tigers. They send Kent Maeda to the mound against Corey Mize, like, you know, the Twins could win another one. The Indians could beat the White Sox tonight very easily under presumed AL Cy Young Shane Bieber. And this could tighten up even more. We can have another, we could have a flip at the top of the standings here today. So Cleveland, Chicago is as important of a game as I think we yeah. might see on this board. Here's why. It gives us an idea of what this postseason might look like. If the playoffs were ending today, the only difference is this game would be in Chicago. Because the White Sox are the two, and Cleveland is the seven right now. You would expect Mm. Bieber to get the ball in game one. You would expect Giolito to get the ball in game one as well. So before we even break down, Dane, what we think happens today, Mm. minus 166 for Cleveland at home, plus 144 for Chicago on the road. What is the flip if this game is in Chicago? And is there a world where Cleveland is still favored in that matchup? I don't think they do that. I don't think they do that. I think so much public would look at those little numbers in parentheses for seeds, right? And see 2-7, and the money would come in on the two-seed. You're right, Bieber uh, would give a lot of people cause for pause. But then those same people will say, eh, but Giolito's on the hill. They can match him, and the White Sox are a better team. I'm with you, though. The White Sox are not the hotter team, and Shane Bieber as a kind of dominant ace would certainly move the number. But to answer your question, no, I think the two-seeded White Sox would be installed as the favorite in game one. But the question is, will they be the two-seed? I don't know that they will. It seems like these kids are limping to the finish, Kev. Yeah, and I think the the White Sox would still be favored because I think we're also seeing home field matters still sure. at this juncture in the season, sure. and understandably so. The number, though, I think would be very small. I, I think you're talking about a minus 120 at best. I mean, it really might be a pick because – they might announce Shane Bieber, you know, is winning the Cy Young. I don't know how early they announce those things, but like, I don't know if that's announced before that game. Like that, no, they do that be, later on in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I thought it would be a little playoffs. bit later, but people will have kind of the idea of it. At, at you know, anyway, I, I just think it is. I just think it's so fascinating to get what could be a preview. But I think what you also said there is key. I mean, the gap between the White Sox who sit at the top. And yep. Cleveland, who's third in this, I mean, it's three games. I don't yeah. really think they can make that up. That's because that's just that's a lot of games. They're head to head today. A small amount of time, absolutely. 
And I mean, to be fair, now you know Cleveland's beaten them. They win twice today, in a row. right? Then it's two games with five left, and that's 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 yeah. viable. Who does Cleveland? You know, so it is I know I know Chicago finishes with uh, the Cubs, so Cubs White Sox closes out. Cleveland closes it out with three against Pittsburgh. I, I mean, I think yesterday yeah, they're, they're it was seventy-five to one on Cleveland. I could be wrong. I think it moved out. 120 to 1 because Minnesota, um, I believe, came away with a win in that game against the Tigers. So, the, look, the Central is probably the most interesting division that remains because we don't really know who's going to come away with the top spot, which changes. Right. I mean, the difference is hosting a round one matchup to playing the New York Yankees to traveling yeah. to possibly to play one of your own division rivals. Yeah, it absolutely is. When you talk about the AL Central being kind of a the most intriguing division, I think it is intriguing because of those three teams and the fact that the division champ is still somewhat up for grabs. But honestly, Kev, the NL Central is more interesting to me because there is the curious case of the St. Louis Cardinals in there, right, with all their games hmm. in hand. And technically, they are in second place, right? But then a game behind them, Kev, sit the Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers. And ironic, look, the Reds, they're both at 500. Remember I talked about that magic winning percentage thing, which would not be decided, right, between the winning percentage. And look, the Reds have four games to play. The Brewers have six games left to play in five days. So that is different. And, you know, you talk about the most important games on the slate. I would call this one the most important because the Brewers and Reds play each other. Trevor Bauer mm -hmm. on the hill for Cincy, Adrian Hauser on the mound for the Milwaukee Brewers. And these teams right now are, in essence, in a flat foot tie. They are both four and a half games back in the division. They both have a 500 winning percentage, and they are playing each other. And remember, Kev, they're both only a game back of St. Louis, and the second place team gets that guaranteed mm -hmm. entry. So so there's so many ripple effects for them, not to mention the fact that, you know, that could change when the Cardinals play their doubleheader on Monday, potentially. Now, I remember many, many moons ago, like the first week of the season, when yeah. the Reds became a team that I refused to put money on because they were just, they were so awful to me against the Pirates and then like the Tigers, and I was very, very annoyed. Dare I say there's value on Trevor Bauer, though, at minus 166? I mean, it's not Lucas yeah. Giolito on the other side. I mean, it's the same exact price that we're seeing Shane Bieber priced at, pitching against Lucas Giolito. And if I can just also bring up, by the way, that Bieber-Giolito game, the total, you may. six and a half in a <laughs> nine-inning game? Yeah. I mean... It's I mean, Kev's holes is going down as we get further along in the NBA. Maybe For as we sure. get further along in the playoffs, we don't have three true outcomes and balls leaving the yard left yeah. and right when we have these great pitchers, you know. And I know you made that point on these two starters. I want to go back to the Reds because, honestly, you know, early in the season how you were like, you don't want to bet on this team, right? Mm -hmm. Remember in our season previews, the thing I went to for every team was talk to me about the top three starting pitchers that they have, right? And mm -hmm. I know that they didn't start off well, the Cincinnati Reds. But now, when you look at it, Trevor Bauer could be an NL Cy Young candidate. He's pitching to a 1.8 ERA with a sub-8.5 whip. 
You know, Luis Castillo has been a revelation in his last few starts. He's pitching it to an under three ERA. And then Sonny Gray is like the guy we're talking about. That's like the stud and maybe the game one starter. He's on balance performed the worst of the three. I still believe, Kev, that Gray, Castillo, and Bauer are going to be a very tough task for whoever sees the Reds in a three-game set if they qualify. I think that's I think that's undeniable. It, it it's for me again. I've I, I just to me sometimes I think we try and make it too simple as to who's the starting pitcher. Give me that team. At the end of the day, if they match up with the Dodgers, the pitching edge isn't as great as you know Fair. meant to think. It's in LA. Look at those bats. If they play the Padres, it's Clev, it's Paddock, it's the you know maybe the best lineup in yeah. baseball, right? Even if you know, and and the, and the list goes on. By the way, like the Cubs have been sure, real sure, good. Sure. The Braves have been awesome all season long. Yeah, these are playoff what, teams, what, you know. Yeah. What interests me with Cincinnati though is what the price looks like. That's what intrigues me so much in a three-game set where I don't think it's misplaced to say. They might have the starting pitcher advantage in all three games, regardless of opponent. What does a three-game series price look like? What does a game-to-game price look like? Especially if they can avoid the Dodgers. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the one last thing I'll say is whoever finishes here in like the seven or eight spots in this NL wildcard race, they're going to be hot coming into next week. Right. And to see a team like maybe the Cubs or the Braves who have like salted it away, it could be very interesting to see the rest versus the streaking team as well. We'll talk about it more next week. Cam Stewart joins the fun to talk NHL. We come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We, of course, welcome back our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. We are going to have Cam Stewart join the show, but in our next segment to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup Finals, what he saw from the U.S. Open that happened last week as well. But we talked about it a little bit before, Kev. And, you know, last week, or maybe even in week one, you made a point. I believe it was about the season opener and the total in that game. And it was like, it was really important when you got it, right? Because it moves away. I think at one point I got it just over with the hook that wound up happening. It settled just under with the hook. And I do think that there's an important thing here where we got to look at some of these lines at this point of the week, especially the ones, Kev, where there's like the hook involved, right? Because we've talked about with the juice at play and whether you want that hook, you need that hook and the timing of it all. You know, so there's a few games I think that are important as per that. For example, Kev, the New England Patriots right now are six and a half point favorites at home against the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Mm -hmm. And without getting too deep into it, This could be a game where I'm okay on the New England side if it stays under a touchdown. But if it hits seven, I might feel very different about it. I'm not saying is that 
the case for this game for you, but conceptually, do you think there's games like that on the board where you do need to get it before the hook vanishes or appears? Yeah, I think there's always spots where you look at a line and you say, I hope it's there for me because I, so I made this point and I, and I'll make it again, but this week, you know, as I kind of recap the week that was in week two and where I was right and where I was wrong. One right. of the things that I, I felt like I, again, I got my, a little bit in front of my skis was trying to beat a number. That's just not the type of better right. that I am. There are many people who are betters like that, and they beat and they beat numbers. I saw someone that we both know, Paul Bovey, play the Rams total over 44 and a half. I think by the time he woke up, it was 47 and a half. And it sat there at 47 and a half. And like that's an undeniable three points of value that you know is worth its weight in gold in the betting market. So this is a Pats Raiders game, Dane, that I want to be on the Patriots side. I think we might be getting a little bit of value because the Pats didn't cross the goal line on that final play and because the Raiders just upset for the NFC favorites, New Orleans Saints. And I think we, right now, are lucky to get six and a half, probably opposed right. to seven and a half. So is this a so spot I where you want to get it argue. now? I couldn't argue with anybody that does it, but I have to speak from my own game. I can't do it because if okay. I do it and it goes the other direction, you and I have talked about this a lot, it's minus 115 to the plus six and a half. So if it goes down to a flat six, you know, I, I can't believe the Eagles line's moving in the other direction. You can tell me what you think on that one, but that was six and a half. And I'm like, yeah, that probably does get to seven. It's down to five and a half. People are betting the Bengals. So, yes, I can't argue with those who want to back the Pats today. I personally can't. Okay, another game that I think is very interesting, and we talked about this, and this is going to be a topic of conversation you know, as it relates to the Chargers. Okay, mm -hmm. and if we see that, that's another game that fits this category. If you see here, watch for the hook. You see Panthers versus Chargers is 7.5. But guess what, Kev? As I sit here this morning, it's moved a full point. Since yesterday, it's now the Chargers minus six and a half. It was seven and a half. So this one is very interesting. You had the hook at first with Carolina, right? And seven and a half for the Panthers, I might have been intrigued by because I think back doors could be open here with Teddy Bridgewater slinging it in garbage time. But at six and a half, it's a little bit different. Talk to me about this game. If the hook either on the, you know, above the touchdown or below the touchdown matters to you. And then overlay the discussion we had before, Kev, as yeah. it relates to QB1 for the Chargers. Yeah, so I believe the idea is that Tyrod won't be available for this team this week. I believe when people have spoke to, you know, pro football doc, Dr. David Chow does a great job for us here on this network. The yeah. expectation is that Tyrod won't be available. Now, I see 6.5 minus 120 on the Chargers side of this number. It must have just got there. And I don't know what the Herbert news does. Right. I would think that the public side would be more interested in backing Herbert because everything that I'm saying is, a, is a, probably what a lot of people would very f want to say. Oh, he looked great. They played the Chiefs. I will tell you this, when or if this number gets to seven, seven and the hook, I will happily show up to the window on the Carolina Panthers.
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think this could be a backdoor kind of game for Teddy Bridgewater, especially with no CMC. I'm telling you, Kev, I am going to be very interested in the prop bet for Teddy Bridgewater attempts moving forward. If Mike Davis is the lead back in Carolina and we know about that defense that is young and has been giving up points. Hey, Kev, another team that's been giving up points left and right is the Atlanta Falcons. And they are a game that I think fits this description. Look at the current line. You got to watch for the hook, Kev. We've got the 2-0 Bears, right, going to the 0-2 Falcons. Yet the Falcons, Kev, are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Is that hook enough to make you back your boy Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah, your boy Mitchell Trubisky, who is 2-0, is the hook important for you in this game? My boy. Um, (laughs) The Falcons were three-point favorites. So Mm. the hook did come out already. This is It's minus 110 on both sides at this level, though. It's minus 110 right now at three and a half. I I hate this game. I don't know (laughs) what to do with this game. The Atlanta Falcons have not earned any betters money. They just simply haven't. The Bears, though, have an outrageous double, like, three-touchdown comeback from Trubisky under their belt to get them one of their wins. And then they have an ATS loss against the Giants at home who lost Barkley early and had a number of opportunities, a number of opportunities to take the lead in that football game. I I don't know. I don't know what to do here. I feel like the I feel like my general thought would be the Falcons score way too many points right. for the Bears to stay in this game. Can the Bears keep up indoors on that turf against this offense? But that's so Dan, are the Falcons one of the six best offenses in football? Um I think they're right around there. If I really had to drill down, they would wind up you know, somewhere between five and ten, yes. In my I opinion. mean, and I, I, and I think there's a big difference. Like, and I'll put it to you like a this. six, maybe. Not, if I thought about it, maybe I would wind up saying they were like eighth, you know, or something like that. But it's close. Let me there let me phrase offense. it differently. Let me phrase it differently. Not points per game and output. If I had, to, if I actually to rank the offenses in your confidence level on what you right. will be getting on a week to week basis, do you think that they're still that high? Because Look, the talent is there. We know Matt Ryan can produce. Calvin Ridley's the best receiver in football through two weeks. Gage apparently isn't far behind him. Wide receiver three, Julio, ain't too bad. Gurley's produced when they needed him to. Hayden Hurst is something that, I mean, one of the darlings of our roster resets is coming off an excellent week, too. There's a lot of pieces there. So maybe maybe I shouldn't be questioning this, but they're just a team, like, Dane, I just, if we all of a sudden go, man, can you believe the Falcons won that game 20 to 17? I mean, can you believe they only scored 20 points? It's just one of those things that I don't feel like I would be shocked by. Right. And I I agree with you, right? But I think the flip side is also true, right? On that idea, can the Bears keep up? If I tell you, if I text you on like Sunday night, which I always do, right? And I'm saying Mm -hmm. the Falcons put up 31 points. Hmm. They cover the game, right? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But that you know what I mean? Like, terrible. you got to feel really good about it if I you tell you they get to, like, that, a normal output for the Falcons. 
No, I and so and that's what I said. I think that that was my initial working yeah. theory. But this team has given up forty in two straight games. I, I, hear I mean, you. <laughs> to the Seattle like, Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys, which I think are eminently more dangerous offenses than the Chicago Bears. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the world that would disagree. They okay. were lucky to only give up forty to Dallas. I mean, if Dallas did not have four straight turnover possessions. Like they probably hang fifty on that on that defense. What is this defense, Dane? What is this Atlanta Falcons defense? Do you remember at the end of last season they made the yeah. switch? To, I don't remember the defensive coordinator. Raheem Morris. Name. Raheem Morris went from the offensive Who side comes to the defensive in, side. He, yep. he's, he's taken he's taken all yes. of the the work off uh, Quinn's plate. They're this yep. great defense. They're upsetting the Niners in San Fran. They're upsetting yep. the Saints. Yep. And here we are. I still have no idea what Dan Quinn brings to this team. And they're back to being an absolute dumpster fire on that side of the ball. No, I, I agree with you. Okay. But if out of all four units in this game, you ask me the confidence level, I have the most confidence yeah. in the Falcons offense out of all four units over the Bears defense even. So it's interesting. There is one other game that fits this description, but we've only got a minute left and we only need a minute for this one, Kev. The Indianapolis Colts are 10 oh, and a God. half point favorites against the New York Jets. See, this is why I only, you only need 30 seconds for this one. Does the hook scare you in this one? Colts at home coming off a big win against Minnesota is like 10 okay, but more than that not. Are you scared by the hook? I'm scared by all of this. The Jets probably have the worst roster in football with a head coach that offers nothing other than disgust. The Colts have Phillip Rivers. Now, I was wrong about this last week, so I was like, ah, Philip Rivers, he was, who's he going to beat by double digits? Ah, Kirk Cousins and his terrible self. But, like, do you really want to lay 10.5 with Philip Rivers? I don't, because I also think the Colts are not trying to be dynamic on offense. I think they're trying to have Philip Rivers not do too much. Cam is back when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Great. Welcome back here, everybody. Right to the early line on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We're working to bring in Cam Stewart. And 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 Kev, you know, we have Cam to talk hockey. We got to get his thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs. We also bring him in to talk golf. And if you remember last week, Kev, he gave us Matthew Wolf, who was the 54-hole leader, right? And I was talking to him on Sunday morning, and he was really excited about Matthew Wolf. I had, you know, we talked about it, Xander Shoffley. He got a top-five finish, but ultimately we tip our cap to Bryson DeChambeau. He had a huge Sunday, and honestly, Kev, we were right. Wingfoot was the real winner. DeChambeau, the only golfer to go under par for the championship, Kev. I think that the the final scores, though, I mean, he didn't go yeah. over par, I believe, in a single round of golf. Bryson. Where, yeah, Bryson. 
where the all these best golfers in the world, like they're finishing with plus five, and it's like a top yeah. ten finish. I, I mean, yeah. it was outrageous for him to shoot minus six. And I actually got a clip, uh, I heard a clip rather, uh, of him kind of talking about it, and they were like, hey, like, what'd you think? And he's like, my putting was immaculate. It was a, and I was just yeah. like, good for you, Bryson. Good for you, man. Be proud of what yeah. you did there because that was a heck of a performance from him. Yeah, absolutely. And we do bring in Cam Stewart right now. You can catch him on Sports Grid, of course, all the time in game live with our guy, Kevin. You can catch him also with Gabe Morency on game time decisions every Monday through Friday. And Cam, we were talking about those U.S. Open plays, right? You had the Wolf there until the very end. I had Xander Shoffley, as we talked about, who got a top five, but ultimately Bryson DeChambeau. We thought it didn't set up well for him, but if you bang it that far, even if you you're in the rub, rough with a 60 degree wedge, maybe you're still okay, huh, Kim? It's unbelievable. They try to make these courses, guys, they try to make them basically Bryson proof and DJ proof and Brooks Kapka proof, the guys who murder the ball, right? And everybody on the PGA Tour, little Colin Morikawa, when the fairways are tough, can hit it 350 yards. That's the thing. These guys are young, lean, powerful. It's not like the old days where we go out and throw back 20 beers and go, hey, man, you know, these guys, and it's the equipment. These guys are playing with yeah. super graphite shafts, huge heads. Back in the day, I found an old set of clubs. Like my three woods, the size of almost a golf ball. Now it's the size of your head. They're playing. They're playing huge equipment. It gives you t twenty yards plus. All these guys are in shape now. They don't pound uh, Italian sausages and burgers and stuff. They go out there and actually work out every single day. It's a different uh, world we're living in, guys. And uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau did one thing well too. Yeah, he, he his driving was actually pretty decent for this course. His putting was immaculate. That's the thing too. He hit so many six-footers for par and uh, yeah. you know, eight-footers for birdie. And other guys couldn't do it. When you play a course like the U.S. Open, it wears you out. So eventually his strength helped him. But I will say this, and I talked to Marenzi about this, we will see his longevity and staying power. When you are that big, and swinging with that much torque over time, right. even golfers, back injuries. I know a lot of these guys. I mm. I, I interview a lot of golfers sure. back in the day when I did my golf golf uh, other golf shows. Backs, legs, spines, all these things, and he swings it hard. It's really working now, but I'm saying in the next few years, guys, I hope he doesn't uh, get a lot of injuries because he plays like a guy that his body could break down eventually. Kim, I'm just curious. Is you know we're looking ahead here in the golf world. Um, mm -hmm. the, the U S masters sees DeChambeau on the same line as now DJ Rom and Rory actually yeah. as well at the FanDuel Sportsbook, both at 10 to one. So I understand the longevity for him down the road might not be the best outlook, but mm -hmm. with what you just saw from him is, does he deserve to be on that same price as DJ and Rom who are basically playing at a whole nother level? And then Rory, who's kind of earned the right to be up there with any favorite in any tournament. I got to tell you guys, you guys are on point this morning. It's a good way of looking at it, too. And I will say this, DeChambeau, it's like, you know, when we got to get early on futures guys in the NBA and NFL, he at one point was like 30 to 1 in the Masters. That's what wow. I got him in, and I'm so glad that I did because I'll tell you something, his game will eat this course apart if he's not even at 100%. The Masters is one thing. It's about angles, uh, subtle undulations, but there's also not as much danger. There's no rough there. 
compared to the U.S. Open, right? There's some pine straw and some other things. I went to Augusta a few years ago when I worked for a company. It was one of the biggest highlights of my life, like sporting bucket lists, and I got to cover it. And I'll tell you, the course is a lot It's a lot uh, slopier than people think, but it's also with Bryson's length, he can go over trees into other fairways. Like, that, you know, there's a little bit of water, but not too many dangerous holes there. It's just one of those courses, and you see it time and time again. I hate to say it, but Bryson's game actually sets up almost perfectly for the Masters, like Tiger Woods could play that course in his sleep. Bryson DeChambeau with his length, it, it's unbelievable. He'll Yeah, he'll be going in there with half wedges on some of these holes, and I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what the, the Augusta committee should do, but I'll tell you one thing. They, 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 need, they need to do something. Like they had to put more pine straw or, you know, make a couple things, move, move some tees back so players have to make decisions because as it stands now, the long ball hitters, you, you would think, have a huge advantage there. Whereas before in the Masters, it was kind of like a, you know, everybody type of course. Like Mike Weir won. He hits it nowhere. Zach yeah. Johnson, he he laid up on par fives. Guys like Bryson DeChambeau and DJ are going into par fives with irons. So it's going to be very interesting to see, guys. I'll tell you one thing. I'm happy I got him at 30 because you, he might hmm. be seven or eight to one by the time the tournament starts. Yeah, I mean, it's such a difference, right, Cam? When that second shot, you're pulling out pitching wedge instead of seven iron. You know, it's just yes. the ability yes. to, like, get yourself <laughs> snug within 10 feet, right? And with every mm-hmm. single hole, even if he does go a little bit errand with a tee shot, if it's 360 yards in the rough, in the first cut of rough, it ain't going to matter. He can still be accurate and set himself up with the next shot. Cam, yeah. though, we're bringing you in here because, you know, golf takes a little bit of a break. It's like the Punta Cana Open. This week, I, well, and we know about the got, Masters and all that stuff. I got picks for you, you for that one, well, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you know what? I want. I was wondering if we should go there or not, right? I do want to talk Stanley yeah, yeah. Cup because we have to do that. But here's the way I think, right? <sighs> You know how the books, they spend all that energy capping the NFL or capping yes. the major conferences, right, in football mm-hmm. and in basketball? That's why we got mid-major guys coming in. <laughs> That's why there's inefficiencies in the markets in your second-tier sports, right? So yep. I ask you this, Kevin, I mean, uh, Cam, with this obviously being a second-tier tournament, right, as I look at the top of the board, like, literally, Henrik Stenson is, like, the only name I even recognize, right? <laughs> but the question then for you, Cam, is does that provide value? an insight like do they have some of it wrong yes and that's actually funny Gabe and I talked about it on game time decisions like we did great in the U.S. Open but we're not leaving this tournament off the board uh our boy at the network Chris Ventura no no Chris Ventura golf detective (laughs) I've been watching this guy play for the last six weeks top 10s top 25s it's funny guys you look at the top of the leaderboards Will Zalatonis people like who that Will yes. Zalatonis? Who the, who's this guy? Is he my financial advisor? No. He finished fifth at the U.S. Open last week. And I will tell you this. The guy's one of the best players on the Corn Ferry Tour that is basically, you know, uh, the G League to the, the NBA, right? It's the you, you, You're on fire there. You get to play with the big boys. But he played really well at the U.S. Open. But when you play at the U.S. Open, it could wear you down. It's a different mm-hmm. course. Uh, this course is long, but it's also 3,000 meters above sea level here. So, you know what I mean? It, length is not going to be a problem. Fairways are generous. The the only defense the course has is wind. But I've been watching a lot of these guys who are playing, and I've taken guys in lower-tier tournaments. So I can give you guys a couple guys that I'm looking at right now, like Emiliano Grio. He finished great at the Barracuda and the 3M. Like These are lower-grade tournaments. I love the guys. 25-1. to 1. I can't take Zalatonis at, at his price. 
Uh, Chris Ventura, golf detective, 36 to 1. We love him. Mateus, uh, I'm not Charles Schwab. Yeah, he's he's an Austrian guy. Watch him on the European tour. Talking Watch to out Chuck. for Schwab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to Chuck. He's 40, he's 40 to 1. And, uh, and Keith uh, Keith Mitchell here, he's uh, 50 to 1. Uh, not, not, not the former great baseball player. Uh, you know what I mean? Kevin Mitchell, Keith Mitchell at 50 to 1. Those are guys I'm looking at. A couple bombs. James Hahn is 70 to 1. And Ashley Bakta, uh, a guy that played on the Indian tour like yeah I'm, I'm digging deep guys he's 100 to 1 but those are guys that I'm looking at and you could do really well in this tournament because this is the thing a lot of people casual betters might get off it but if you watch golf every right. week you know a couple guys that could do well hey we talk about it here on the uh, on the grid guys it moves we can bet on it and if you do your research and know what's going on in a sport you can get an advantage I agree I think some of the favorites this week the numbers are too low so I'm looking for some guys right around the 30 to 55 range we do have to get to hockey, but look, there's yeah. a reason why we always bring you on for golf, and it's interesting. So I'll ask you this quickly. Mackenzie Hughes, who's priced third on the outright board, is tied mm-hmm. with Will Zalatoris for round one leader, both of them at 27-1. to 1. What do you think about Mackenzie Hughes this weekend? Is there a reason why he's only third in the outright but joint favorite in the round one leader price? Yeah, sometimes they do that, Ken. I'll tell you, if you're talking about total game and putting, he's the best. Like, he would be the favorite in the tournament. The Canadians had a great year. He made his first, uh, um, you know, FedEx Cup top 30, just had a child, too. And he's the, he's, he's the talk of the town or around uh, the area. I'll tell you, like, he's fantastic. But I will say this. Playing in the U.S. Open, I'm trying to avoid these guys, guys. Like, Bryson DeChambeau won that tournament. But when you play a grueling tournament like that, I would avoid all guys. Zalatonis played, Kev. And he played. So it's one of those things. I don't like either guy in that matchup. That's why I'm kind of going to the Venturas, the Schwabs, the Emiliano Grios, because they have a week off and it's an easier golf tournament. Sometimes it's hard to flick a switch from playing U.S. golf to easier golf. You know what I'm saying? So those -hmm. are guys that I'm kind of avoiding this week. And the numbers aren't good enough. If I had a lean... I'd probably go with Zalatonis because he's he's a little bit hotter right now, and I think Mackenzie Hughes is enjoying the fruits of his labor after a good year. I think he's uh, having a little more fun. Gotcha. Hey, Cam. So let's let's talk Stanley Cup Finals. Yep. Okay. Ooh. We got Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning. And I ask you all the time: style makes fight, right? I remember yep. that Western Conference was a little bit tighter defensively. We were talking about unders. Now Tampa Bay comes on in, and they are a dynamic offense. What do you think? This series stands at one-one. What do you think about tonight's game three, or what are you looking for in the series as a whole? I still think Dallas can win the series, guys, but I'll tell you something. If FanDuel wants to put up a five and a half, even if you're paying juice, no game has gone over. Even the other game, Tampa Bay scored three goals in the first four minutes of the game. The game ended three to two. Dallas came back, even with, you know, an empty netter, there was no goal. So, uh, yes, there could be that five to four game, but until it happens, I don't know how you bet it. I still think the Stars offer... Uh, value at plus 135 on the money line. It's interesting, though, guys. I'd be very careful. I'm not going to bet the way I did earlier because Tampa Bay did this before. Remember, uh, against Boston, they kind of went down. Then they really showed up and won the series. The Islanders gave them a run. But they're a very, as we say, a professional team, and they understand. Like Dallas had all the momentum in the series. Uh, Tampa Bay took it away from them. I will say this about the Dallas Stars. When you're getting them at a price, though, and Hudobin, he let in a couple uh, cheesy goals early, but he's a battler, a fighter, and a grinder. I still probably am going to take a shot with the Dallas Stars at 135. Not a huge play like we had on the Nuggets last night because that was a good spot, but I still lean Dallas in the under. Question for you in the players' futures market, Cam. Uh, Hudobin's moved up to the favorite to win the Conn Smythe at Mm -hmm. plus 185. I looked at this Saturday with Carver. 
I almost feel like I don't remember correctly because I think he was at like 10 to 1. He was. see him at plus 185. Yeah, he was, right. I, I thought I might have been yeah. crazy. I mean, what do you think about this Conn Smythe Award winner? Do you, do you have any guys that you think could come away with this trophy? The, the thing is, if Dallas wins, he'll get it. So you have to look for somebody on Tampa Bay, right? I don't think Vasilevsky, their goalie, has been good enough to win it. Braden Point would have been the favorite, but he also got hurt. Right, so other guys that I would look at Andre Palat on Tampa Bay, if you like him, and on on Dallas, Joel Pavelski. He's a guy. If this series goes longer, uh, used to play for the San Jose Sharks. He's a big, big time player for this team, and maybe one of the games goes to overtime. He's the type of guy to get there. Though, so Palat and Pavelski are the guys I'd look at. But I'm telling you something, Kev. You're right. I think it was nine or ten to one on Hudobin, and if Dallas wins, he will win because without him, remember Ben Bishop, their starting goalie, got hurt. He's a second stringer and standing on his head right now. But hey, if you still want to bet it, it's not bad. But I can tell you one thing: I'd rather have ten to one than under two to one. Yeah, right. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely, Cam. I'm thinking about Pavelski myself. Hey, Cam. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us here on the early line and next time you're on in game live with kevin tell him about kevin mitchell and that incredible barehanded catch he had catch. Once going into the left field line absolutely thanks as always cam we love having you have on. a good we'll one guys thanks, you got man. it sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com hey welcome back in everybody to the early line dane and kevin and as we tie a nice neat little bow on this episode of the early line you know week three starts tomorrow Kev, you know, and we're so excited that, you know, the NFL comes out and saying that no players are testing positive for COVID. You know, we have limited fans in these stands. It looks like it's trending in a positive direction, but we still have to remain compliant, right? There is still a pandemic out there and wearing masks is a big part of that. And so a number of head coaches, though, Kev, were fined substantive sums of money last week for not wearing masks everyone from kyle shanahan to you know vic fangio and others what do you think about this is this is this fine going to be a deterrent um should this be the expectation what do you think about this story i think it's interesting that the nfl is coming down on coaches that didn't wear masks in week two yeah i mean you you know where i land on this topic as a whole fair this feels very excessive to me a, qu- a quarter of a million dollars is what these teams were fined for the masks not being on, and then each coach fifty thousand right. dollars. Now, I'm not saying that the look. It's like we're in a pandemic, right? But just take John Gruden for example. There's not a single fan in the building, so based on what we know, right? I mean, it should be literally impossible for him to contract COVID while being in that building, considering that everybody past protocol, including himself, to enter that game. So, And the same would then be true for Sean Payton on the other side. Again, we, like, we want to take all of this seriously. I, I'm not saying we don't. This, to me, like, I almost would rather them just ask each team to donate at the beginning of the season a quarter of a million dollars to COVID relief, and that would then raise $8 million and we could be like, wow, that's an incredible gesture. To me, the fines, that was like, whoa, that felt like a lot of money. And I, But I get it, I guess. I don't know. It felt like a lot to me. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It does feel like a lot, right? I guess, though, when you step back, like, if you want something to be a deterrent, it has to actually be a deterrent, <laughs> right? We talk no. about, like, in PEDs for Major League Baseball, is an 80-game suspension enough? Some might see it as harsh, but if it's going to impact and change behavior, then I guess that is the design of the system. So we'll see if because some teams got fined, some coaches got fined, if we see more compliance moving forward, if so, the NFL will feel probably just fine about it. The morning after is up next. We got week three to discuss tomorrow. Have a good day today. We'll be right back here tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.